All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you for your patience in waiting for this episode. I had a really great and busy month since my last episode of traveling. I went on a trip with some of my best friends to Lake Tahoe. Then I went home to northern Wisconsin for the 4th of July weekend, and then I capped it all off with a week's vacation in Hawaii with my family, which was absolutely incredible. So I do apologize for the long absence in between podcast episodes, especially with everything that I have missed slash need to catch up on here with this episode. And a lot of big news revolving around Wisconsin itself, so I won't waste any more time here. We're just going to jump right into it, and I'm sure you can guess what we are starting off with here. The Milwaukee Bucks are the 2021 NBA champions. Absolutely incredible. Giannis Atentacumpo carried the Bucks to win it in six games. The prophecy finally came true there for the Milwaukee Bucks as well. We're going to discuss how they got there and what it means for Giannis and the Bucks going forward. So obviously, like I just mentioned, Bucks win in six. Brandon Jennings, he was a few years early on that prophecy with that one. But the Bucks were able to win four straight games after falling down 0-2 to the Phoenix Suns to win the 2021 NBA championship. We all know this already. Giannis with a 50-point masterpiece in Game 6 to, to just cap it all off. Also had 14 rebounds, 5 blocks. Those 50 points tied for the most in a closeout game in finals history. Solidifies himself as the finals MVP, possibly as the best player in the world after that finals as well. We'll talk about that in just a second. But I mean, just, just take a look at some of these phenomenal numbers that Giannis put up in context to NBA history and other greats, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Kareem, those types of guys, these numbers that he put up in that context for finals series. And here's, here's, here's some of them right now. Giannis averaged 35 points per game, 13 rebounds per game, five assists per game on 61% shooting. He's the first player in finals history to average 30 points per game or more. 10 rebounds per game or more, 5 assists per game or more on 60-plus percent shooting. He did 35 points per game, and he's the only one to do it over 30 points per game. So that's incredible in itself, just the consistent consistency throughout the series for Giannis in that one. Seventh player to ever have 50-plus points in a finals game, 33 points in the second half of Game 6. So he had <laughs> over half of his points in the second half to close out the Suns, and close out the series. He's also the first player to ever have two 30-point halves in a final series. I think he did it also in Game 4 when he had another 40-point game. Get this, too, for Giannis. Went 17 of 19 from the free-throw line after shooting 59% from the free-throw line for the series. And then in Game 6, the closeout game, went 17 for 19. That's absolutely insane. That's 90% free-throw shooting for Giannis right there absolutely clutch from from possibly the best player in the NBA and in the world now at this point from Giannis. Some of his just memorable and biggest moments in this one, all the huge defensive blocks that he had in this game. You remember some of them. He had a few on Devin Booker in game six. He had that chase down one similar to uh, LeBron's famous one. He had that one in game one, but of course none bigger than the game saver in game four on a DeAndre Ayton 
alley-oop. He was able to somehow get back into position and block that one. That one changed the series, evened it up at two games apiece, if you remember that. Obviously, the 50 points he had in Game 6. He had 40 points in back-to-back games, Games 2 and 3. He had the alley-oop to finish and seal the Game 5 win on the road that put the Bucks up 3-2 in the series. I mean, there's just a number of things that you're going to remember all around Giannis from this this NBA final series and it's just incredible and what this means for the legacy of Giannis going forward I mean I think he just solidified himself as the best player in the NBA right now I mean he's 26 years old he's been in the league now I believe this was his eighth year and I mean he said it himself at the end of this series in his post-game press conference he didn't go out and join a super team winning one for small small market Milwaukee. I mean, this is something that he wanted. He's mentioned it when he re-signed for that big Supermax deal, that five-year deal about two years ago now. He said, I want to stay here and I want to build a championship team in Milwaukee. And he did that. I mean, they had to add Drew Holiday, but it was Giannis and Chris Middleton. They've been, they're the same two teams that have been here since 2013 when they had their worst season in franchise history, they won 15 games that year. They just won 16 games this postseason. That's incredible. So, I mean, this ring for Giannis means a lot more in the eyes of a lot of people. This one ring means a lot more than winning maybe two rings with a super team. Like, say he went to a team like Brooklyn, where it's got Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Obviously not all healthy this year. Giannis and the Bucks able to get past them. But say all three of those guys. Or... Same thing when it was Golden State, when it was Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, those guys like that. If It might not have meant as much if Giannis went to the Warriors and it was Giannis, Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green. Or if he went to the Lakers and it was LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, this this one ring means more in that sense. And they, they say the same thing with LeBron, his one ring in Cleveland means more than maybe his two that he had in Miami. His one with the Lakers where it's not a super team means more than maybe the two that he has in Miami as well. That's what a ring like this can mean for the legacy of Giannis going forward. He's playing with house money now at this point. I mean, he's got two MVPs. He's an NBA champion. He's got a finals MVP. He's got a defensive player of the year, a most improved player of the year as well, three-time All-NBA first team player, three-time all-defensive first-team player, five-time all-star, and one-time all-star game MVP. I mean, he's 26 years old, and he's he's probably still getting better, believe it or not. People were talking about how Giannis doesn't have, uh, the term is a bag, where he doesn't have go-to moves or he doesn't have anything that can shake defenders. Well, this guy just, there was no bag, just scored 30, averaged 35 points per game in the finals, 26 years old, and now he's already an NBA champion. So if he doesn't have a bag and he can still get better shooting the three-point shot, which we hope that he continues to get better at, the mid-range game, we saw some of his turnaround jump shots that he was hitting in this finals, and then he still attacks the paint. I mean, I think his signature move is that spin move from left to right, and then he just slams it on whoever's in his way. Nobody can block that shot because he's so long. I mean, this guy, this... It only gets better for he, from here on out, I think, for Giannis. Um, and possibly what was maybe the best performance in a closeout game in NBA history. I mean, there's there's two that I've been reading about that could be uh, 
considered similar. There was the one with, I mean, this whole series. There was Michael Jordan back in 1996, I believe his last um, championship with the Chicago Bulls. I think he had 45 points to close that one out. Um, And then Magic Johnson in 1980 when they were missing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he was injured for that one. Magic Johnson went in. I think he scored like over 40 points, had 15 rebounds, was really the key that obviously got the Lakers that title in 1980 without their best player at the time, which was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, I mean, those two are what Giannis is in comparison with. Those are considered probably the two best closeout games in, in NBA history. Magic Johnson, 1980. Michael Jordan, 1998. And then Giannis on Tuesday. The other this this past week, so I mean that's rarefied air that those that this game for Giannis is, is up against, and it's just it was in it was amazing to watch. Obviously, as a Milwaukee fan, it was one thing that I'll never forget for sure. Watching something like that, and you know what makes it even more impressive is how about returning from what looked like a scary injury in the Eastern Conference Finals and coming back to have an absolutely dominant performance in the NBA Finals. I mean, we all thought. Seeing that injury in, I think it was, what, Game 4 in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Atlanta Hawks, we thought that was it for Giannis right there. I mean, we still thought that the Bucks could win against the Atlanta Hawks in the Conference Finals. They did end up winning Games 5 and 6 without Giannis. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday stepped up in really big ways. But we thought there's no way Giannis is going to be ready for the NBA Finals after of an injury like that. We learned that it wasn't a major tear, no ACL tear, no MCL tear. So we knew that. We still didn't think, even with that news, that he would be ready for the first game of the NBA Finals. Yet here he was. He suited up game one, came out, and I think he scored game one over 30 points in that game. The Bucks did lose that one, but he looked great. He had that chase down block, like I mentioned. I mean, are you kidding me? The true Greek freak, whoever, whenever that nickname came about, absolute perfect nickname for a player like this in Giannis not just from what you see on the basketball court but the way he was able to recover from that injury that we all thought was season ending for Giannis for sure but then possibly could have been a whole next season ending as well and he was able to return and have such a dominant performance in the finals I mean this was incredible this is uh the year of of Giannis for sure I mean the all-star game MVP this year second I believe, in the league in MVP voting, second or third, coming off of back-to-back MVPs. Now he's an NBA champion and a finals MVP, and he capped it off with a 50-point game six as well, which is going to be remembered in the history books. Like I said, it's it's up there with what's considered two of the best closeout games in NBA history. So, I mean, just amazing watching what Giannis and the Bucks did in this one, and I mean, I'm just impressed, and I think he's going to get better going forward. What this, what I think this means, too, for, for Milwaukee is that for a small market team, you get a lot of those really key pieces, free agents that like to go to the big markets. So like a guy like P.J. Tucker coming to Milwaukee is an example of what sometimes teams need to get over the hump to win an NBA championship, even though P.J. Tucker doesn't necessarily help you on the offensive end. His defense is invaluable to a team like this that likes to switch on defense. With Giannis, what he's been able to do right now, being 26 in this small market, I think that's going to change the NBA in a way that some of these key free agents 
and some of these key pieces that teams need that aren't necessarily the top-tier superstars that teams need to round out a championship team are going to want to come to Milwaukee and play with Giannis and play with the Bucks if he's still here. It's it's kind of like what happened with LeBron James when he was in Cleveland. Guys want to go play with LeBron James, want to see if they can compete for an NBA title. Giannis is going to be that next guy that gives players that opportunity to go and get an NBA championship, and I think that's going to be huge for small markets and Giannis and the Bucks going forward. So, I mean, moving along here, I mean, Milwaukee gets over the hump to win their first championship in 50 years when they won it with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Oscar Robinson. I mean, this was the this was the promise that Giannis made when he re-signed with the Bucks. And like I just said, uh, here's here's the question. I I was a little ahead of myself. What this means for the city of Milwaukee and the NBA? I just said it. I think it's going to it's going to open up superstars wanting to win in smaller markets like this, and then being able to bring championship caliber players along with them. And that's what I think this does. I don't think this is the end of super teams, but this is a big step in limiting super teams just taking over in the big markets like LA, like Brooklyn, like Golden State, like Miami. I mean, I don't, this isn't in its, I don't want to hear anything about an asterisk next to this finals because of the injuries. I mean, we just mentioned Giannis coming back, but this is what happens in sports. I know James Harden wasn't 100%. I know Kyrie Irving was out. I know Trey Young got injured in in the Eastern Conference Finals, but so did Giannis. I know in the Western Conference, Kawhi Leonard wasn't 100% healthy. LeBron James, Anthony Davis weren't 100% healthy. Jamal Murray wasn't 100% healthy for the Denver Nuggets. I don't want to hear an asterisk because this is what happens in sports. We talk, I've talked about this all the time. I talked about it when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and, and the NFL. People, when he won his first Super Bowl, all of a sudden are like, oh man, can this guy get six? Can this guy get seven? Can this guy tie Tom Brady with Super Bowl rings? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It is incredibly hard to win a championship of any sorts at any professional level because it does take luck. Like I said, like just this past year, Patrick Mahomes, there's one year gone by where he was missing his two offensive tackles. That's one year that he doesn't win a Super Bowl ring. What if Patrick Mahomes gets injured one year? That's another year gone by. And gone years gone by, years gone by, and now he's maybe stuck with that one Super Bowl. Or maybe he's got two Super Bowl rings and he's not up to the six. So, I mean, when you when we look back in history, we don't remember that. We just look at the amount of rings you have. It doesn't. It takes luck for every team to win a championship. And the Bucks got really lucky this year with Giannis getting injured, able to come back. Some of the matchups that they had. I mean, Kevin Durant stepping on that line in Game 7 and making it a two-pointer instead of a three-pointer. I mean, no matter the sport, it, t- it takes some luck. So I don't want to hear... There being an asterisk next to this NBA championship. And I think I, I kind of got off my point here. Um, oh, I was talking about super teams and, and stuff like that. But anyways, what this meant, means for the city of Milwaukee and the NBA, like I said, it's, it's not the end of super teams. It's not like Giannis just completely ended them. We're already hearing talks in this offseason about another super team possibly forming in Golden State with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, both going to be healthy. Can they add a third superstar like Bradley Beal? Maybe in Los Angeles, can they add a guy like Bradley Beal or DeMar DeRozan? Will he go there? I mean, so I, I don't think 
Giannis winning this championship ends super teams whatsoever, but it's a big deal for small markets like Milwaukee and for other places to win championships like this because then superstars believe they can go there and win a championship. So I think that's what this has. Let's talk about some of the other huge players for this team. I mean, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, big games for both of these two. I mean, obviously Giannis does not win this on his own, but Drew Holiday, massive defensive plays all throughout this series. I mean, he had that game five steal against Devin Booker and then led to the alley-oop that Giannis put through to really seal game five right there. I mean, Chris Middleton with clutch shot after clutch shot in this series, 40 points in game four. He had the ceiling shots in game six. I mean, the, the the Bucks have this big three locked up for a few years to come, and that, that leads to the next point here. Can the Bucks repeat their success next season now? I mean, Drew, Chris, Giannis, that's their big three. But like I said, will it be enough to get back with the changes that we may see coming in the NBA with a fully healthy Brooklyn? Their team is going to look a lot different. They're still going to, hopefully, in their minds, have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving all re-signed. They're going to lose some depth with some guys like Spencer Dinwiddie leaving. Blake Griffin's hoping to stay, maybe not on an as expensive deal. But anyways, they'll be fully health- healthy, hopefully. Golden State getting healthy with Klay Thompson coming back, maybe adding another piece as well. They've got two top 15 picks in this year's draft. The Los Angeles Clippers hoping Kawhi Leonard gets healthy as well. We'll have a new look Los Angeles Lakers. I'm absolutely certain they're looking to add another star with LeBron and AD. Hopefully they're healthy with Anthony Davis and LeBron as well. They had that short offseason. Now they've got a a longer offseason as well, a new look 76ers. Will they move Ben Simmons? Will they add a guy like Kyle Lowry? Will they add a guy like Damian Lillard? Can the Bucks repeat this success? What do they have to do to improve to try to become back-to-back champions? Well, they've got their three big guys in place with Drew, Chris, and Giannis. They're going to still have Brooke Lopez. One thing that I think they absolutely have to do is bring back P.J. Tucker on a, on a mid-level deal or something like that. He makes their starting lineup so versatile that they can switch one through five, basically, because they've got the best defensive point guard in the NBA in Drew Holiday. P.J. Tucker and Chris Middleton are interchangeable with defenders, both top-tier defenders. Giannis was just recently the defensive player of the year, and then you got Brooke Lopez, who is an above-average defender as well. But then they're going to need to build out their depth as well. They're going to lose key guys like Bobby Portis, who averaged around 10 points per game in this NBA Finals. I know Milwaukee, we love him so much. Everybody loves them some Bobby Portis, but he is going to command a lot of money on the free uh, free agent market, and we got to let him get his money at this point. Thank him for his service in Milwaukee here, but they're going to have to replace a guy like that, a double-digit scorer for Milwaukee off the bench, another three-point shooter off the bench, Bryn Forbes they're going to have to replace as well. They'll hopefully be getting guys back like Dante DiVincenzo, I mean, Pat Connaughton will still be with the team, so that's a big guy coming off the bench. But they're going to need to build out that depth, and they're not going to have, obviously, a ton of cap room to do it because of guys like Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis being there. But like I said, with them winning this championship and with Giannis being so dominant right now in the NBA, I think this is going to help them in terms of getting some of those guys. So So a guy like Jeff Green, for example, or some guys that might not who might be able to garner or might be able to get 
bigger numbers on the free agent market, but they might come to the Bucks on lower level deals because they want to win a championship with Giannis in Milwaukee, anything like that. And that's what this championship can do for the city of Milwaukee is they can get guys to come there. Usually it's hard maybe to get guys to come to Milwaukee. Maybe a lot of these M- NBA players don't like playing in the cl- cold. They're not playing in the cold, obviously, but maybe they just don't even like living in the cold in Milwaukee. Maybe they like living in the big glamorous cities of Los Angeles, New York, Miami, something like that. Now they have a chance, though. You can come to Milwaukee, win a championship. That's what they can offer now that they've, they've proven that Giannis can lead them to a championship like that. So the Bucks will have their work cut out for them in terms of how they can repeat next season now that every now that the target is on their backs and that will hopefully have a healthy NBA with some of these superstars Kyrie, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Jamal Murray, even LeBron. Hopefully we'll have a healthy NBA and the target will be on Milwaukee's back. So they'll have their work cut out for them to repeat as back-to-back champions, but with a guy like Giannis right now who is on top of the world um, I think that they, they can do it, obviously. With, with the big three that they have, they have two of the best defenders in the NBA in Giannis and Drew Holiday. They've got a clutch shooter in Chris Middleton, which we've seen. I mean, sky's the limit for Milwaukee at this point. Hopefully, they, uh, they can take advantage of it. I mean, I could talk Bucks probably all episode long, but there are a few more things that I definitely want to get to on this episode as well. I mean, man, just what it means as a as a Wisconsin fan too. I mean we we in Wisconsin think we're cursed with some of these things that have happened from the Packers not making the Super Bowl since 2011, from the Bucks losing a couple of years ago to the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals, to the Brewers not making it past some of these bigger teams in the postseason, to even the Wisconsin Badgers, both basketball and football, when the Badgers made it to two straight final fours, even made it to the finals. Um with football not being able to just sneak into that to that playoff contention or even I mean even it seems like in the Rose Bowl they've been cursed there for a couple of years since Russell will I mean I don't even know if I don't think Russell Wilson and the Badgers won the Rose Bowl either so I mean it just feels like Wisconsin we feel like we've been cursed and now Giannis and the Bucks have at least lifted a piece of that and maybe the floodgates will open so we'll see what that means going forward for for Wisconsin sports. But man, it was just a sight to see. And it was even better that this happened in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The Bucks winning game six. Nonetheless, game six, of course, that being the mantra for the Bucks for years now. But man, it was just uh, just really cool and really great to watch this all unfold this season. Through, through the ups and downs, I mean, we, we talked about the, the, the adjustments also, for Coach Mike Mike Budenholzer, we were worried, was this the guy that could lead us to an NBA championship? I mean, the, the Bucks went through the adversity. They were down 2-0 to the Brooklyn Nets in round two, able to come back from that deficit on the road and still win that in seven games. Then they lost game one at home to the Atlanta Hawks. That series was tied up at two apiece, able to win that one, get themselves to the NBA Finals without Giannis. Then with Giannis in the NBA Finals, they go down 0-2 again, this time to the Phoenix Suns, able to fight back in this one as well and win that one with four straight wins. I mean, it was it was hilarious. I feel I almost sometimes feel bad 
for those national media guys because you know they're on TV every day. They got to talk about something. So I mean, every time, both times when the Bucks were down 0-2, you just hear it all over the place. All oh, the series is over. You can't come back from this. It's very, it's very difficult to come back down 0-2. I think it only has happened. Oh boy. What was it? Maybe five times in the NBA Finals, a team has come back from being down 0-2. I think the last one was the Cavs in 2016 when they came back from that 3-1 deficit. And then I think the time before that was the 2006 Miami Heat with Dwayne Wade and Shaquille O'Neal. So it's it's only happened a handful of times, I think between five and six times. But, I mean, it's hilarious when you see them talking about how this series is over. There's no way they can come back. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I was very impressed. This comes back to what I was saying about Coach Mike Boonholzer, is I was very impressed how he was able to adjust from on the road to being at home, getting those home wins. I think the Bucks only lost one home game this entire postseason. That was game one in the Eastern Conference Finals. But obviously what the Bucks were frustrated with with Budenholzer was maybe some in-game adjustments that you wanted so they could finish off some of these games. But he was able to adjust from game to game, from road to home, and it was it was good to see that they finally pushed through and won the NBA championship. Your Bucks, your Milwaukee Bucks, Wisconsin, 2021 NBA champions. Absolutely amazing. All right, there's still a lot going on in the world of basketball, whether it be right now the struggles of Team USA going on in the Olympics or the NBA draft coming up at the end of this week, which means there's some potential big-name players that could be traded either this week or this offseason potentially. I mean, I think we're going to see some movement come the end of this week. Here's some big names to watch that could possibly be traded this offseason. Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, both of the stars from the Washington Wizards. They've got a new head coach coming in. They just snuck are they yeah, they just snuck into the playoffs this year got I think they lost in five games to the Philadelphia 76ers. I think they were the eight seed. Both guys are looking to join a championship contender. Bradley Beal has been really loyal to the Washington Wizards. His name has come up in <laughs> trade discussions for the past three seasons, it seems like now. So I think we need to get him out of Washington, get him to a championship caliber team. Russell Westbrook, another one of those guys, he's starting to bounce around. Los Angeles has been rumored a place for Russell Westbrook. Bradley Beal, he's been rumored to a lot of places like Golden State. Um, also, the Philadelphia 76ers. So we'll see how that works out with those two. But I expect one of those two to be traded. If one gets traded, both are most likely to get traded from the Wizards this offseason. DeMar DeRozan, he's a free agent from the San Antonio Spurs. He's been rumored to Los Angeles as well. He's from the Los Angeles area. I think he grew up in Compton. So he really wants to go home, possibly, and play with the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll see if that works out. Kyle Lowry, CJ McCollum, Kevin Love, Andrew Wiggins. These are some big names that could be traded as well. CJ McCollum with the Portland Trailblazers. If he's traded, it's for another big name to go to Portland because they are trying to do whatever they can to make Damian Lillard happy so that he doesn't (laughs) request a trade this offseason. So we'll see if that gets done. Kevin Love is most likely out of Cleveland. He's been there now two seasons since the whole LeBron and Kyrie had ended. So we'll see about that. Andrew Wiggins with the Warriors. If the Warriors want to make a deal for, say, a Bradley Beal, Andrew Wiggins is probably the guy that they ship out. Here's the other big name, too. 
Ben Simmons, an all-star with the Philadelphia 76ers. We saw his struggles in the second round of the playoffs this year against the Atlanta Hawks when they lost to the Hawks and the Hawks moved on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Ben Simmons, I believe, shot three shots entirely in the fourth quarter of all six of those games that they had against the Atlanta Hawks. Three total shots he shot in the fourth quarter. That can't be for your second superstar or your second star on that team. Joel Embiid was doing all he could to carry the 76ers. Ben Simmons just doesn't seem to be improving, so we'll see if he's on the move this offseason. He doesn't take three-point shots. He doesn't even take mid-range shots, and he's afraid to take foul shots. I mean, Giannis, when you compare this to Giannis, Giannis, will, he's not afraid to get fouled. He's not afraid to embarrass himself. When he's at the free throw line, if he airballs the next one, he's he's doing it the same. He's not changing anything. You hear the crowd counting down his his time at the free throw line, and it still sometimes doesn't bother him. I think sometimes he uses it as a rhythm. Giannis isn't a great free throw shooter, but he's not afraid to take the free throw shots. Ben Simmons doesn't want the ball in his hand because he doesn't want to have to shoot free throws. That's the difference that we were seeing. In, in poor free throw shooters, and it was just really embarrassing to watch for Ben Simmons. We'll see what Philadelphia does. They've said they want to help him get better and be able to take shots like these, but we'll see if, if they move on from him this offseason. That would be a big move to get a guy like Bradley Beal in their building, maybe get a guy like C.J. McCollum, Kyle Lowry, something like that. Ben Simmons is a big trade asset. A lot of teams really like him. He's a phenomenal defender, maybe a top-five defender, in the NBA. He's a great passer as well. Not as much in terms of shooting, which is a big liability in the NBA these days. Other names, Kristaps Porzingis from the Dallas Mavericks, Mike Conley, the Utah Jazz, John Collins for, or the Atlanta Hawks, Lonzo Ball could be on the move from the Pelicans, and Dennis Schroeder of the Lakers as well. And then here's some names, really big names, that I don't think will be on the move. They could be, but I think it's very unlikely. Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers, has talked about his frustrations with the Portland Trailblazers and the fact that they haven't really been able to be a championship contender year after year. I don't think he gets moved, but that's still one to keep an eye on. Kawhi Leonard has the option to opt out with the Los Angeles Clippers and become a free agent. I think what he'll do is he'll opt out of his contract just to sign a new and bigger contract with the Los Angeles Clippers this offseason. And then same thing with Chris Paul. He has the option to opt out. I don't think he will. He'll be making $44 million next year with the Phoenix Suns, and I think he'll he'll want to stick around right around that. So keep an eye on those names leading up to the NBA draft This at the end of this week. Those are some big names that could be on the move. The ones that are free agents won't be on the move quite yet, but the, the trades could happen. We've already seen some of them. Not, not a huge one, but some, some trades going on in the NBA already starting. All right, that's what I had for NBA talk. Glad we got to talk about the Bucks for like 20 minutes there. Sorry if uh, you're not a Milwaukee fan, obviously, if I uh, sounded a little fanish there. But obviously I am from Wisconsin and a fan of Milwaukee, and I obviously had to get it out about talking about them winning their first championship in 50 years. But now we'll move on to NFL training camp since it is starting this week. I believe most teams start tomorrow. All the talk recently has come back around to the Packers with now what appears to be three Packers stars having trouble with the front office and actually some big news just dropping today, which so if 
bear with me here as I do a little 360 on what I was going to talk about. But the three Packers stars, Aaron Rodgers still, Devontae Adams contract talk stalling. We'll talk about if those are going to get back underway here in a little bit. And then Zadarius Smith also throwing his hat in the ring wanting a new deal. But let's start with Rodgers now. With the big news dropping today that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, it seems like he'll be returning this training camp. Looks like he'll be back tomorrow actually as well. And uh, this is kind of what had to happen for the Packers to get him back in the building. It was reported, remember, that he was offered a new contract. I believe two more years were going to be added onto his deal. It would have made him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL over Patrick Mahomes at that 50, uh, at that 10 year, 500 million as well. Rodgers didn't want that. He, he truly does want out of Green Bay, but the Packers obviously weren't going to trade him this offseason. They had three years left on his deal. He was the reigning MVP, and he just didn't want to be in Green Bay anymore. Those those reports are true. He has issues with the front office, and he's been airing that out all offseason. Not him personally. It's been it's been leaking here and there, but this is what had to happen for Aaron Rodgers to come back to Green Bay this season. So Aaron Rodgers has 2021, 2022, and 2023 left on his contract. What the Packers did is the 2023 year, the last year on Rodgers' current deal, that year is gone. It's voided, no tags, no franchise tag allowed. That year has been taken off of Aaron Rodgers' contract. Aaron Rodgers comes back to the Packers, plays this year, and the Packers review his contract situation at the end of this year. So what that means is at the end of 2021 for the 2022 season, They'll look back at this season. If Aaron Rodgers wants to stay in Green Bay, they'll redo his deal. They'll probably re-sign him to a big one if he feels like the front office has changed to his liking. If some things have turned around in his in his favor or something like that, then maybe he re-signs with the Green Bay Packers after this 2021 season. What this most likely means is Aaron Rodgers will be traded from the Green Bay Packers after the 2021 season so before the 2022 season it looks like Aaron Rodgers will be traded to a new NFL team that's what all this big news that came out just today from Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter and among others as well reporting that Aaron Rodgers he'll be in training camp starting tomorrow but it looks like this might be Aaron Rodgers's last season in Green Bay we saw actually if you if you follow Aaron Rodgers on, on his social media, him and Devontae Adams were actually posting cryptic messages, and one of them had to related to the last dance with Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. If you saw that document documentary, you know what that means in terms of Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, a lot of those guys went into the 1998 season knowing this was going to be our last year together as the GM, Jerry Krause at the time, was going to blow the whole thing up, trade away Scottie Pippen, trade away Dennis Rodman because he wanted the the team to run around a new player or something like that. They knew going into the season that it was going to be their last go at it, ergo the last dance. So Rodgers, Devontae Adams tweeting that cryptically. What it looks like that means is this is Rodgers coming into the season knowing this is going to be my last year in Green Bay. You guys are going to trade me come next season. 2022 season, Rodgers on a new team, Packers go with Jordan Love as their starting quarterback in 2022. To me, 
this is kind of a win-win for both teams, in, except in the fact that the Packers obviously don't get Aaron Rodgers to stay with them for as long as until he retires. That would have been the best case scenario, but we had to look at this realistically, and inevitably Aaron Rodgers did not want to return to the Green Bay Packers. I mean, we were we get mad at Adam Schefter for his reporting, especially with the timing. I mean, he, he tried to time this up too, like that it was trying to take away from the Milwaukee Bucks. So we can get mad at, at Adam Schefter for that. His reporting, though, was true that Aaron Rodgers wanted out, except for the fact that Adam Schefter had to kind of backtrack and say Aaron Rodgers will not play for the Green Bay Packers this year. That kind of was, he was going a little overboard there. Aaron Rodgers was either going to play for the Green Bay Packers this year or retire. He didn't want to retire because he still loves to play the game of football. So it was either going to be with the Green Bay Packers or nobody. So this is what the Packers had to do to get him to come into training camp. They take one year off of his contract. They re they review it at the end of this season. So if the Packers do end up winning the Super Bowl in the tw- in this upcoming season, Maybe that's enough for Aaron Rodgers to say, you know what, I do want to stay in Green Bay. Um, I'll re-sign for three more years. I want to play well into my 40s. And then the Packers have to reset with the Jordan Love and if they have, if he's going to stay with the team, if other teams look at him like that. But that's something for next offseason. But what the Packers really get is they get Aaron Rodgers this year, which they really wanted, and then by the end of it, they can decide if they're ready to move on to Jordan Love. This was, I think, the plan when they initially drafted Jordan Love. The, 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 the part, we talk about this all the time, the part that really blew up that Packers plan was Aaron Rodgers going back to the Aaron Rodgers that we know how great he could be and obviously winning his third MVP. That really blew up the Packers plan, and that's a good thing that it kind of blew it up, except for the fact that it, it kind of just aired this all out. The Packers would love to have Aaron Rodgers from what we've been hearing They would love to have Aaron Rodgers longer than these two years that they have coming. But it looks like Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. There's really, that's really been clear now in terms of Rodgers not signing a contract extension, all the talk of how he's not liking the front office in terms of how they've been operating. I mean, the Packers have said we want him to be our quarterback this year and multiple years beyond. It doesn't look like Aaron Rodgers wants to be the quarterback in Green Bay anymore after that. So that's where you get this cryptic stuff of the last dance with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, with Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, knowing that was their last year all playing together. Aaron Rodgers seems to think this is absolutely going to be his last year in Green Bay. Let's go out and try to win a championship. They're running it back. They got a lot of the same starters back from last year, missing a few, like their starting center in Corey Lindsley, maybe a new linebacking core that they might have as well. Other than that, it's mostly the same guys in Green Bay as last year when we thought they could have won the Super Bowl just a year ago. So, looks like Aaron Rodgers is on his way out of Green Bay after this 2021 season. This is something we'll obviously revisit when 2022 comes around, but that's what this new deal kind of looks like for the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. He comes to training camp this year. I mean, he'll get all the questions and he'll probably play it off as not a big deal. But what it means is they took one year of control off of his off of his deal. The Packers will still be able to trade Aaron Rodgers and get a huge haul, multiple first round picks. And then it looks like they'll move on to Jordan Love when the time comes. Now, Devontae Adams, 
he was also a part of this this cryptic social media Instagram messaging and stuff like that because of his contract situation and why talks broke down between him. So then he hopped on the Aaron Rodgers bandwagon of kind of airing it out, letting people attack the Packers front office. Let's talk about why those talks broke down. If we, They might be starting back up again with this recent news of Aaron Rodgers, but let's get into this quick. So Devontae Adams will become a free agent after this 2021 season. Unrestricted free agent could sign wherever he wants. Best receiver in the NFL. I mean, we just saw the EA Madden ratings come out. He was the only wide receiver ranked 99. We saw him at the top of all the stats in this past season. 115 catches, almost 1,400 yards, and 18 touchdowns led the league right there. So he wants the security of a brand new deal, and he wants to be paid as the highest wide receiver in the NFL. Very deservedly so, right, for Devontae Adams, best wide receiver in the NFL. You can obviously argue, but we th- I think he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins is currently number one at $27.5 million per year as the number one paid wide receiver in the NFL. But that is $5 million more than the second highest paid wide receiver in Julio Jones in the NFL. So that really, that deal, DeAndre Hopkins and the Arizona Cardinals, that really reset the market at wide receiver. Green Bay wasn't ready or wasn't expecting to go as high, have to go as high as $28 million per year to make Devontae Adams the number one paid wide receiver. Julio Jones, I believe, is paid... 22 and a half million like I just said so maybe the Packers were more expecting to have to pay Devontae when the time came to redo his contract they were expecting maybe to pay around 24 million is probably what they were expecting per year which would have in in a normal scenario made him the number one paid wide receiver I mean they've already got the number one the number two paid now offensive tackle at 20 million with David Bakhtiari so the Packers they weren't they weren't ready to just jump up to $28 million for Devontae Adams, who obviously wants to be the number one paid wide receiver after the, the three straight seasons that he's had, 2018, 2019, and 2020 now. Deservedly so. So the two sides negotiate. The Packers most likely low-balling Devontae Adams initially, per usual. This is what, obviously, it's a negotiation. You, you want to win your side. And the talks were have said to have broken off which, like I said, allows Adams to hop on the heels of Rodgers and complain and be cryptic as well. Now with this new, with some clarity on what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, he's coming back this year. It also saves the Packers some cap space, just removing a year from Rodgers' contract. It seems that Devontae Adams and the Packers have opened up those contract talks again. My prediction with the Packers is they will eventually come around and make Devontae Adams the highest paid wide receiver when the time comes. I mean, especially when Rodgers is no longer the QB for this team, they will have even more cap space to work with. And I think for the Packers to continue to be successful once this Aaron Rodgers era is over, you need to give Jordan Love all the pieces to succeed. I mean, look what Rodgers walked into when he became the quarterback for the Packers. He had guys like Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, James Jones, Uh, Jermichael Finley, Randall Cobb. I mean, those were the weapons that Aaron Rodgers had when he came into the league. They won a Super Bowl within three years of him being the starter. You got to do that for Jordan Love as well. And when you have the best receiver in the NFL, you don't let him walk away at the age of 28, 29. Now with Devontae as well, he's going to want a longer deal than just the normal four-year max deal. 
I think he's going to want something around six years because it's going to be a new quarterback. It's not going to be the same as Devontae and Aaron Rodgers. We know that relationship that those two have. But I think the Packers will come around and give Devontae Adams the highest paid wide receiver money when the time comes. Just a little little bit of a spook there for the Packers when <laughs> Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers teaming up about the last dance. All of a sudden, Packers fans are thinking, are we going to lose Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in one season, both this year or maybe after both the next season, but our two best players. It looks like Devontae Adams and his team have been more willing now to renegotiate a new deal now that there's some clarity on Aaron Rodgers. We'll see what that is, but I'm sure that Devontae Adams will get number one paid, or will get paid like the number one receiver in the NFL. I think it'll just take some time for the Packers to work out the deal that works for both parties. I think my prediction, Devontae Adams will stay with Green Bay, knock on wood, and be the number one paid wide receiver. Now, Zadarius Smith, this one's a little trickier on the other hand. He wants a new longer contract after this season because it's the last one. To, it's This season is his last secure season on his contract. Problem is, he's in line behind a few guys. He's obviously in line behind Rodgers. We're not sure where that's going to go after this season. If Rodgers is going to resign or if he is going to be traded, he's after Devontae. Devontae is a higher priority than Zadarius Smith right now for the Packers. And he's probably behind Jair Alexander. The Packers have, in my opinion, four guys on their team who could command number one salary at their position. So Aaron Rodgers could be paid as the number one quarterback if he so wanted to. And the Packers offered it to him. Devontae Adams has a reasonable case to be the number one paid wide receiver in the NFL. Jair Alexander has a case to be the number one paid cornerback when the time comes. And David Bakhtiari was the number one paid offensive tackle in the NFL for a couple of weeks until Trent Williams beat him out by like 500,000. The Packers have that. That's that's a good problem to have. Now the, the problem is how do you pay these guys? So Devontae is probably next in line after if they figure out with, with Aaron Rodgers, which it seems like they have. So now they'll move on to Devontae. And then before Zadarius Smith, they'll have to figure out how what they're going to do with Jair Alexander. Jair, Jair Alexander is considered widely by many a top five cornerback in this league. By some, he's considered the best cornerback in this league. He's going to ask for number one cornerback money in the NFL. He's going to take priority over Zadarius Smith because of his age and because of his potential still rising for the Packers. Doesn't everyone also want more guarantees and securities with their jobs? So this is normal for every team to have star players. Zadarius Smith is definitely a star player. This is normal for every team to have star players want contract deals renegotiated. They want to have, obviously, more security. We thought that was the case with Rodgers. Turns out he just wants out of Green Bay for <laughs> forever, actually. Not just, not just about the money anymore at this point either. The problem is for the Packers this year, it's normal for teams to have star players want these new deals, but just everything going on with the Packers, all their dirty laundry is being aired out this offseason thanks to Aaron Rodgers doing what he's been doing in terms of putting the front office on blast, which is exactly what he wanted. So that's what's going on in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, it looks like he will be back in training camp this offseason. He'll play the 2021 season. And then the Packers and Aaron Rodgers go back to the drawing board for the 2022 season, whether he wants to resign or if he's like, I'm out of here, 
let's get me traded, let's get me on a new team. So we'll see where that comes. This will all be on to next season for the Packers. It looks like they were able to push it down the line. They get what they want. They get Aaron Rodgers for one more year. They get to evaluate Jordan Love this offseason in terms of training camp and three preseason games, and then they'll they'll go forward from there with the 2022 season. Devontae Adams looks like he's willing to renegotiate or negotiate a new contract extension for him, likely to make him the highest paid wide receiver with the Packers' newfound cap space with this new Aaron Rodgers deal. And then Zadarius Smith just complaining like the rest of us that he wants more money and more security in his job. So is that enough uh, Packers there for you? Did, is, are we able to catch up there with everybody that's unhappy with the Packers front office organization? I'm sure many more are unhappy with them as well. But we'll see how it all works out for the Packers. I mean, training camp starts tomorrow, and we'll see who all reports. All right. Oh, one other thing for the NFL. This is actually a big one that just happened. The NFL has implemented new rules regarding COVID-19 this season. And they are strongly encouraging players to get the vaccine. They still have a choice. And I and I put quotations around strongly encouraging players. They still have a choice. But players and teams will be punished in a big way if something happens due to a player getting COVID without the vaccine. So example number one, this is, this is what happens. The NFL is don't mess with the NFL's money. So example number one, if a game has to be canceled, Due to a COVID-19 outbreak, both teams' players will not be paid for the lost game. One game check gone, and the team at fault for the cancellation will take a loss. So not only does it hurt you in football terms, win-loss rise, getting to the playoffs, but both teams get their game checks taken away. So you will have your team and the opposing team pissed off at you for taking away their money if you're not vaccinated and a covid outbreak happens because of players not being vaccinated now there can still be people can still get covid with the vaccination we know this but it's much more it's much less likely and being vaccinated makes the symptoms makes the severity of getting covid way less intense and way safer with the vaccine we know this from everything that we've read so the NFL obviously is has worked with that but if you don't have the vaccine and this happens, the NFL is basically saying, if we lose money because you didn't get vaccinated, then you are also losing your money. They're saying, don't mess with our money, don't mess with the with with the schedule. And that's that's kind of the approach that they're taking this offseason. Example number two, teams and the NFL are both going to find players that are not vac are are going to find players that aren't vaccinated if they break the strict COVID rules in place, and it'll be something close to like fifteen thousand dollars. So those. Strict COVID rules still include daily testing, physical distancing, having to wear a mask indoors and all around the facilities, longer quarantine if necessary with close contacts. People that have the vaccine, if you come in close contact, you may get tested, but you don't have to quarantine still. If you are not vaccinated and come in close contact with someone who did test positive, you have to quarantine, I think, for 10 days still. I don't believe they can eat in the cafeteria, et cetera, et cetera. If a player is not vaccinated and breaks one of these rules, the team could fine them $15,000 or the NFL could fine them $15,000. This is a business for the NFL, remember, and they aren't forcing, I'm putting quotations around forcing players to get vaccinated by any means here, 
but there are severe punishments when it comes to messing with with their product and they aren't hiding that this season we'll see how that affects the upcoming season i i mean it makes sense to me for them to put these strong it's strongly encouraging players that it's going to make life easier in terms of the season going by if you do get vaccinated and also they just don't want to see what happened last year where some where some players had to miss games they want all their players to be on the field of course they want to do it in the best way possible and that's with this vaccinate vaccine any one of the three so i mean we've already seen two assistant coaches quit their jobs for refusing to get the vaccine and how it would affect their season going forward i think coaches are held to a different standard than the players as well there will obviously be more to this story of these two assistant coaches regarding them as they won't just walk away quietly with having to not they weren't forced to quit of course but there's going to be some legal ramifications coming out about this but it's going to be an interesting storyline to watch this nfl season when it comes to it so i mean the nfl not forcing anybody but they are strongly quotations around it, encouraging players to get the vaccine and i think this is a uh, one way to get a lot of of players that are on the fence maybe or some that haven't maybe thought about it yet to get them to go get the vaccine before the season gets underway here. But we'll see how that affects the upcoming NFL season. All right, quick big news actually coming out of NCAA in terms of football and the conference changes coming possibly. So the big news, the Big 12 Conference has the universities of Texas and Oklahoma. They are planning to leave the Big 12 Conference and planning to join the SEC conference in the upcoming season. This is huge. Texas and Oklahoma are two huge name universities in all of college sports. The two biggest names in the excuse me, in the Big 12 conference, no doubt. And now they want to leave that conference and join the powerhouse SEC conference for the upcoming season. There are still a lot of hurdles here for these two teams to clear before they this becomes a reality as in acceptance from the SEC. I believe 11 of the 14 teams currently in the SEC have to okay this. Texas A&M is mostly the biggest problem as they don't want Texas to come into the SEC for recruiting purposes and money purposes. Their media rights, Texas and Oklahoma, still belong to the Big 12 Conference until 2025. And of course, there are all sorts of possible legal challenges that could come with this when it comes to the NCAA and all that stuff. The one question that we need to ask, though, is what could this mean for college football going forward? What I think it means is if this somehow goes down for Texas and Oklahoma, if they're able to move from the Big 12 to the SEC, the SEC is already the powerhouse conference. They're adding two more powerhouse schools to their conference now in Texas and Oklahoma. These guys get big recruits. They're big names. They're on top of the news when it comes to they're on top of rankings as well. What this could mean is we could see a major shift in terms of teams moving from conference to conference. Some teams could go to the Big Ten. Could could the Big 12 just evaporate that conference, just evaporate all itself? Could we see more teams join the SEC? Could we see just, I mean, there's been talks of just two big conferences. We've heard there's actually been, I believe, the Pac-12 commissioner has talked about we need to move a lot of the Pac-12 teams into the Big Ten to prevent there being one major conference in terms of the SEC. 
I mean, if if this move happens, we would likely see more movement among leagues. There's among the leagues. There's been rumors of Kansas and Iowa State joining the Big Ten conference if Texas and Oklahoma end up lead, leaving the Big Twelve. I mean, I don't think the Big Twelve, the Texas and Oklahoma are its two top moneymaker teams, two top moneymaker schools in terms of football, especially, and then basketball for sure as well. The two top earning sports, men's basketball and football. I mean, I don't know if the Big 12 would be able to hang on. Could teams like UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, a lot of other power, not big non-Power 5 conference teams make the leap into the Big 12 if this could happen? That's something that the Big 12 would have to scramble to do so they wouldn't lose a bunch of other teams like Kansas, Iowa State. I mean, Kansas, Iowa State, both big basketball schools. You've got other ones like Oklahoma State, uh, Texas Tech. Could these teams leave the Big 12 as well if the top two leave? I mean, I mean, could it lead to a merger of other conferences? There's been rumors of the ACC, which has Clemson, Duke, teams like that, and the Pac-12 merging into one conference. I mean, the thing that comes to mind for me is if Texas and Oklahoma somehow leave the Big 12 conference, I think it just opens up a can of worms all across college athletics, causing a mess everywhere. I think the Big 12 conference all of a sudden just falls apart in terms of teams scrambling to get to another conference. What I hope doesn't happen, though, if this happens, if Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC, that's fine. I hope it doesn't lead to this all, all the teams just then rushing to the SEC conference because I believe the SEC conference has also reached out to teams like Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Florida State. They've reached out to teams like this to join their conference as well. They really want a 20-team power conference. A lot of t- the SEC already gets usually two teams in the college football playoffs. I've discussed when the college football playoffs is looking to move to a 12-team format, they could have seven or eight teams from the SEC in the college football playoffs if this turns out like that. We still my opinion, we still want parity between some of these college football conferences when it comes to we we want Alabama to have competition against Ohio State and Clemson, not just in their conference. We want we want that parity. So if if Texas and Oklahoma do move to the SEC, if the Big Twelve falls apart, the Big Twelve falls apart. But I hope not everyone goes to the SEC. Some go to the Big Ten, maybe some go to the ACC, some go to the Pac twelve. I will, hopefully what it does, if this does happen, is it strengthens some of these other conferences, even though the SEC would be gaining two huge powerhouses in Texas, in Oklahoma. We'll see what this means. It'll be in the coming weeks. They want to do it this season. The problems are, like I mentioned, they have to be accepted by the SEC. That looks like to not be a problem. I don't think they would announce they're trying to move to the SEC without already having those votes kind of locked up. Texas A&M is going to put up a big fight. But we'll, we'll see how much power they really have in the SEC. Their media rights still belong to the Big 12, so they might have to pay huge fines, like in the, in the tens and tens of millions to the Big 12 to, just to get out of those. And then, of course, the, the possible legal challenges that could come with it. So we'll see if this goes down, but that would be a huge shift. In, I mean, the SEC is already the powerhouse of college in terms of college football. But we'll see what it, I mean, it would just be an even bigger shift if Texas, nonetheless, and Oklahoma could move to the SEC. We'll see in the coming weeks, because they want to do it 
this upcoming NCAA season. All right, final thought then today on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. I know this was a long one. I had a lot of stuff to catch up with, but stick with me here. The NHL, we're going to do an all-NHL thing really quick as we have NHL champions. I've missed this one too within the month. The Tampa Bay Lightning defend last year's championship by winning back-to-back Stanley Cups this year, defeating the Montreal Canadiens in five games, winning it 4-1. to I mean, Montreal, they had an incredible postseason run. They had the worst record to start this postseason of the 16 teams to make the postseason. It comes to an end with now a historic Tampa Bay team to win back-to-back Stanley Cups, one during the pandemic, and then this second one in front of 18,000-plus of their own fans. So incredible by the Tampa Bay Lightning right there. I mean, props off to them. I mean, it's not, like I mentioned this when I talked about the Milwaukee Bucks, it's not easy to win a championship in any sports league, much less go back-to-back as the Tampa Bay Lightning have here. We'll see if they can go for a three-peat in this next upcoming season. Also in the NHL, the NHL expansion draft just happened as they welcomed their 32nd franchise in the Seattle Kraken. I love that name, by the way, just personally. I think Kraken is a really sweet name for a franchise. And so Seattle Kraken will be the 32nd franchise in the NHL. I mean, Marshawn Lynch, the highlight of this expansion draft party this past weekend as they uh, took some players from opposing teams to build their team. They also had the NHL draft this past uh, weekend as well. I believe Owen Power was the number one overall pick, and he's going to have to decide if he stays in college at Michigan or goes to play in the NHL this upcoming year. And then last but not least for the NHL as well, last episode we mentioned Carl Nassib of the Las Vegas Raiders becoming the first active NFL player to come out as gay. Now in the NHL, Luke Prokop, I hope I said his name right, I believe I did, Luke Prokop, a Nashville Predators prospect, comes out as gay to be the first NHL player under contract to come out as well. So I think, and and that just even proves more the point of how big what Carl Nassib did with the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, him just being uh, an example in someone for other LGBTQ plus people to look up to, to not be, to hopefully just be inspired and, and hopefully if they want to come out like Luke Prokop did right here. And I mean, he has said the support has been great all across the league, which I'm sure you can see all over social media. But also, like I said, with Carl Nassib, the statements that these guys are giving and that they're hoping that this doesn't have to be a regular occurrence for guys in professional sports or in huge media spotlights or in maybe celebrity spotlights, that these this doesn't have to be such breaking news in the near future is awesome to me, which means just the progress that we're making in terms of LGBTQ plus is is starting to move forward when these guys, one, are coming out as professional athletes like this, and two, the way that they're they're doing it, of course, there's no wrong way to do it, but the way that they're doing it is saying, hey, I hope this this is something that I just wanted to do for my own self. I'm not doing this for the attention or whatever. I just wanted to do this for myself. And hopefully this isn't something that people have to do in the near future. The way these guys have been going about it, being the first is a really big deal. And I think they've just done an excellent job leading the way for if others, um, for just other people just looking at them in terms of an example, or not an example, just as an inspiration is the word that I'm trying to say there. 
So just uh, another, we had Carl Nassib in the NFL. Now we have Luke Prokop in the NHL. Just incredible to see. And the support also is something that I want to mention as well. has been fantastic for both of these guys. So it's really, really great to see this um, for both uh, Luke Prokop and Carl Nassib. All right. Last thing then, final, final thought on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. The Olympics are finally underway in Tokyo. Remember, I actually talked about this a few times, how I was so excited to start this podcast last year around March when I was going to have so much to talk about between the NBA and baseball getting started, the NFL draft, and then I was going to talk about the Olympics, and then we would have had baseball ending and then it just it was all coming around perfectly for full circle then of course the pandemic and the olympics get canceled baseball gets put on hold in a shortened season basketball gets put on a long hold we're not sure about the nfl the nfl draft was still able to go on but delayed here we are now with the olympics underway in tokyo we'll get to a few highlights really i mean a couple i mean team usa off to a rough start in a few competitions right now i mean still winning gold in some others like fencing and taekwondo for the first time, I believe, in national history. I believe they've also won a lot of swimming medals as well to date right now. Women's softball has actually been fantastic to start, but rough start in other areas. Men's basketball, which we thought would be one of the strong areas. Women's gymnastics, which we've been dominating for a few Olympics now. Both of them off to a little rocky start. Men's basketball losing their first game in the last 25 games to France. I mean, they lost two exhibition games, but I'm talking actual Olympic games. They had not lost an Olympic game in their last 25 games, I think back to 2004. Now they've lost three of their last four games, including those exhibition games. They're kind of on the ropes. They've got superstar talent all over the place. They got Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard. They've got these guys. They got Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Devin Booker just coming in to try and save the day. I mean, Drew Holiday, La- Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Devin Booker. These guys landed in Tokyo, and then less than 24 hours later, they're playing in an Olympic game, and these guys are performing well for what you can expect. But you've got guys like Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Bam Adebayo, Jason Tatum. These guys not stepping up in these Olympics. I believe the five starters for Team USA, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, I'm missing, Bam Adebayo, Jason Tatum, oh, and Bradley Beal. Those five guys, I believe, scored 43 points in in that game where they lost to France. The next night, Luka Doncic for Team Slovenia, he scored 48 points by himself. Something is going on with the men's basketball team for Team USA. They got to step it up if they want to get gold this year. I mean, I know the rest of the world competition has gotten better but they don't have the same talent that team usa still has so it's uh it's quite the disappointment for them to lose three of their last four right now it's a little concerning women's gymnastics as well took second overall in qualifying not so not the meddling stage yet but eye-opening for sure especially led by the goat in simone biles who she placed first individually in qualifying but the team has usually been up near the top and in first as well but took it second in qualifying so something that hopefully wakes them up and gets them going here as the olympics continue to roll along all the sport i mean there's so many sports in here that i don't even know were sports i mean there's olympic speed walking which to me is hilarious to watch i also love watching table tennis these guys 
I like playing ping pong myself. These guys are incredible, some of these shots that they're hitting and stuff like that in the speed. But the Olympics are rolling around, along here. Make sure to watch when you get the chance. Any sport, any of them that are on, make sure you watch when you get an opportunity. One other thing, though, to keep an eye on with the Olympics here in 2021 as it got postponed from last year, COVID-19 cases are still having a major impact on the Olympics and the athletes as some, a lot of these athletes unexpectedly having to drop out after testing positive. It's still very prevalent. They're already not allowing fans in the arenas to watch these athletes compete, which is crazy. I mean, it's really sad to see. I mean, it's unfortunate for sure, but it's what they have to do to get these Olympics underway. And, I mean, we've seen some guys for Team USA, Bryson DeChambeau for golf. He had to drop out for testing positive. I believe he had John Rahm for the Spanish team having to drop out for testing positive some other major athletes for team usa basketball as well so hopefully we don't see too many hiccups where it impacts it a lot but we'll have to see how it all comes to fruition with these covid19 cases still rising hopefully we can get through the olympics in a somewhat normal fashion but those are underway make sure to watch those when you get the chance cheer on team usa in whatever sport you're watching all right that is all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I know it was a long one. We had to get all that buck stuff in there. Make sure to give Giannis all of his glory because he deserves it. Glad we got through and updated that on, on the Bucks winning the NBA championship. We talked our way through the Packers and the struggles that they've been having as well. Looks like grass is a little bit greener right now with Aaron Rodgers coming back. Devontae Adams hoping to get a new contract and training camp starting tomorrow. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with me for that whole, oh, wow, this is over an hour long episode, but thanks for sticking with me. Stay safe out there, everybody. And this is the final final.